And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose. And welcome to a very special episode. It's kind of like a Blossom special. (laughs) A very special episode. Episode number 312 of This Old Marketing. For February 24th, but recorded February 17th, 2022. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and a guy who definitely doesn't call his employees metamates, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? I, I read that. Actually, this morning, I read the whole Metamates thing, and I just thought, really? Like, do you have to tell people you can't call each other Facebookers anymore? You have to say Metamates? What? Uh, you know, uh, I, I don't... I, I think that the, I, they might I be, wonder they about might be the veracity of some of those claims. They might be losing yeah, well, their I, way. Do you, but do you think that's really true? I mean, do you think he might have been doing that a bit tongue in cheek, or he might? I mean, I know there's not a lot of tongue in cheek for Mark Zuckerberg, but you know, um, to the extent that his Android self can actually put the tongue in the cheek, do you think he did that, or, well, the, or was the, it about? What I, from what I read, and this was in Morning Brew, so I mean, I don't know. Check check the source, I guess. But they ch- changed that, and they changed their tagline from whatever it was, "Move forward and break things," to "Move forward together" or "Move quickly together" or whatever it is. I thought that was a formal change that they made to, to metamates, which is just stupid. But I, mean, I, I guess it's okay if you're if you're if you can wear a little sailor's cap. It'd be okay. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> because. Well, they, I mean, they've had to do something, you know, I mean, as Scott Galloway pointed out, which I thought was really good analysis, he talked about because they have lost so much value um, in the company, a lot of those employees who are on stock options now um, are have seen a lot of the value that they have been sort of maybe rationalizing their stay at Facebook or is all of a sudden evaporated. And all of a sudden you start returning calls from headhunters and, you know, and Apple's calling, I'm sure Google's calling, I'm sure. And, and Amazon is definitely calling. Um, so all of a sudden that, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta start doing some things, you know, doing some of those HR activities that, that sort of get people all psyched up. And, but one would argue that sort of throwing down the, company gauntlet to call each other metamates is not the best smart first move yeah, probably there. probably uh, not I, the, yeah. actually the stat that prof g laid out and said something about facebook lost the same amount as i think it was 478 mar- the 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 market cap of 478 of the 500 companies in the s&p lost that that's i mean right. that's Unbelievable how much loss, whatever it was, yeah, two hundred sixty billion dollars in loss. Yeah, oh my god! Right. It, it, you know, they threw themselves, I think, out of the top ten of companies, and I don't know. They've they've got. I don't think Facebook's out of it by any means, but this is definitely oh, a no. transition that's going to take some time for them. With the slowing of of Facebook, yeah. there's some things to be done. There you go. And by the way, down down even today as we as we record this down, you know, to 213, which is you know, I mean, 
yeah, it's just unbelievable. You know, in, in terms of the loss of market cap, there, it's just it's it's well, and it's but it's not it's just Facebook. Huge. Maybe a buying, maybe a buying. Option, well, I mean, look know, at what's happened. I mean, Shopify got hit recently as well, down twenty percent or whatever. They went down to their their stock price is lower than it was in June of twenty twenty. So it's yeah. it's interesting that a lot of the high risk stocks, and you can look at it from uh, tensions in Russia to the Fed actually thinking about raising interest rates now. And so we go to a risk off environment. And when you go to a risk off environment, that means things like cryptocurrencies and high tech stocks and riskier investments theoretically go down for a time. In the long run, yeah, I think it's going to be right. fine. But you're in this adjustment period of everybody you know moving funds around. So... We'll see. I mean, Kathy Wood at Ark Investments is probably just having a fit right now because most of her stocks are just oh, down something imagine? like eighty yeah. percent. Right. Now they were up eighty percent. That's crazy. Eight hundred percent. So we'll we'll see what happens. So, yeah. Who, who well, speaking of adjustments, um, very nice segue into our special episode here. Um, and so we're going to do a special episode, folks, um, that we're kind of entitling or calling marketing media and the metaverse um talking a little bit about web 3.0 and maybe laying out the landscape and talking about our different takes on where we are right now with marketing media and the metaverse and and where it stands right now and sort of putting our little stake in the ground um as it were but it's there's a reason for this and well, Joe, well, yeah, you, yeah. You I mean, it's totally, yeah, it's totally my fault. So, first of all, thank you for <laughs> as yeah, most exactly, are. exactly. Thank you for you know being amenable to pre-recording this special, and we wanted to. Well, of course, yeah. we're not going to skip a week. We're very much about consistency, so we're going to keep moving right. forward. But we decided, okay, well, we'll record this ahead of time. And I'm I'm taking a, a very special vacation. This has been rescheduled a few times. I'm finally going to take it uh, this week as people are listening to this. So um, I, instead of you getting a another you know, co-host that might be better than me, <laughs> I would rather do this because then now we won't we won't know we won't know if. It could be better. We think it could be better, but we're like, oh, let's just do I, this. So that was nice of you. Yeah, this this is way this better. This is way better. This is way better. I mean, it's way better than going dark for sure. Um, and I quite frankly don't have the energy to go out and find another co-host. So um, <laughs> quite frankly, this was this was the easy answer for me. And I like it because so I know how annoyed I get. So great example. We were just talking about Galloway, and so Galloway and Kara Swisher now are down in Miami, literally as we record this holding their Pivot event, and both their show, which is called Pivot on podcast, and Galloway, the Prof G show, are ostensibly dark this week uh, because they're there. And so there is no Prof G show this week. Um, and that's annoying to me, like, because I kind of depend on that for my walk every, you know, I go on a walk every day and, and try and get some exercise, and I listen to podcasts while I'm doing it. And it's, you know, it's, it's annoying. Now, it does give me the shot to discover something new, but... We are both huge believers in consistency and you get into a habit and having something to listen to. So, you know, this topic might not be your cup of tea uh, for this episode, but we wanted to make, you know, we wanted to do something that we could both talk about. It's both top of our minds and it's also something that is uh, top of a lot of people's minds, um, especially those people at Facebook or Meta. And um, yeah, so MetaMate we shall yeah, I mean, we've talked about we've we've talked about Web three concepts on the show quite a bit, but we've never talked about it as how you and I 
feel about it, how we're looking at it. So I think this is a good opportunity for and why we're talking why. about it so much on this show, exactly. right? Yeah, because yeah. there's still a lot of people yeah. out there that think it's a big sham, and we don't happen to think that's the case, but a lot of people do. So if you've got questions about Web three or NFTs or DAOs or whatever else or the metaverse, you know that's fine. Let's uh, let's talk about them and yeah. answer those questions. So we're going to put a bunch of links into the show notes, just literally just links we've been looking at over the last couple of weeks. Um, they they span everything from Andreessen Horowitz uh, to uh, CoinDesk to Coinbase to Adweek to Axios. So we're just going to put a bunch of show, uh, links into the show notes that sort of talk about some of the issues that we're talking through. But we'll maybe we'll just start the discussion. Um, uh, you know, uh, talking a little bit about the controversy, right? So talking about the tension that currently exists with this new thing. And I know, for example, you just you just completed a poll yes. uh, on NFTs. So maybe let's open up with that. Yeah, so I've, and, and I talked about the poll a little bit. I don't know if I did a couple of weeks ago, but I've done two polls on NFTs. And I know this conversation is going to be more than just NFTs non-fungible tokens. It's just one part of the Web3 universe of technology, if you will. But I did a poll on on Twitter. It says, what is your current NFT status? The first one is, yes, I own at least one. Second one is, no, but considering. The third is, no, and I will never buy one. And the fourth is, what's an NFT? And basically, Twitter's a little bit more advanced than the LinkedIn. I'll share with that one in a second. But uh, 24% own at least one NFT. 25% are considering. So basically, you got 50% considering and then have purchased. 37% say no, and I will never buy. And 13% are what's an NFT. If you do that in comparison with what we did on LinkedIn, LinkedIn's a little bit slower crowd to the tech. So on LinkedIn, the yes, I own at least one is 13%. And the no, I will never buy on LinkedIn is 42%. So you can see there's a little bit more of a I don't get this stuff, and which makes sense to me, by the way, with the with the audiences that are you know, the audience that, that follow me on Twitter versus that follow me. And by the way, the the Twitter one was 123 votes, and the one on LinkedIn was actually quite substantial. We had about 600 votes for that one. So what's interesting is just to wrap. I'd love to get your take on it, Robert. Is you have a group of people that are first adop- early adopters. They're totally in on this. They're totally experimenting, which is exactly what this is right now. Most of these are experimental projects. We're trying to figure out what the business models are behind using the token, fungible tokens and non-fungible tokens. And you have a big, and I'm in a very loud crowd of people that are like, this is a scam. It's silly. It's a Ponzi scheme. Uh, and then when people think of NFTs, they might think of overpriced JPEGs. They don't understand about smart contracts. So we have a lot of room to go. It's very similar to me. I mean, history doesn't necessarily repeat, but you see the patterns. I mean, I see the patterns that happened in the late 90s and in the mid-2000s, late 90s with with the internet and the mid-2000s with social media. And here we are again with like a new technological revolution that people are trying to get their hands around. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of this, um, you know, we talked a little bit about this on the last episode where we where we we talked about NFTs and and sort of the lack of knowledge about them, generally speaking, other than those, you know, 
um, you know, if you look at the Google trends and you look at the general sort of mainstream media coverage of them, that's not a surprise to me to even see a higher percentage of basically people saying, what the hell is an NFT? Because most people don't know. Um, and what they're getting is in very similar ways that we saw in the early days of conflating the web and the internet, right? I remember back in the mid 90s, like 95, 96, where the internet for most people was AOL, yeah. right? That was, that was the internet. And you would go, no, the internet is much more. And you start talking about the web even, and people would go, oh yeah, it's kind of like that with the web and AOL and CompuServe. And you go, well, no, but it's even more than that because, you know, remember this is before we even talked about like the internet of things where, you know, devices would use the internet to communicate with one another so that your, you know, your refrigerator could communicate, you know, or your light bulb could communicate, you know, and with other devices and be able to connect to them and those kinds of things. And so we had no concept of the possibilities that existed with the broader sort of nascent technology but we started to assign it very much like Marshall McLuhan would say we would we started to assign it to our old eyeballs our old perceptions what we what what we could identify with right so the first thing we did was we said ah it's just you know it's digital newspapers or it's you know digital magazines yeah. or you know and that's that's by the way where we got things like web page and you know email um, and below the fold and all those you know all those things that we started to equate was because we used our old perceptions of media to be able to assign it to the new this new media that was happening and we're seeing the same thing now where you're you're looking at nfts and conflating them with the idea of crypto and conflating crypto with nfts and and all of those kinds of things and just nobody knows yep. yet and I think a lot of the, the, the controversy to the extent that it exists among those who, by the way, are doing all the reading, who are having valuable discussions, there's tons of really deep, interesting discussions that are going on in my social media feeds. Uh, by the way, I think Twitter is more ahead of this because for whatever reason, crypto and NFTs have found their home on Twitter and specifically Twitter spaces, um, you know, sort of like that's the social network for all of this. Um, and the, there's tons of really valuable discussions that are going on on pro and con. I think my, my own personal take on the controversy is those who are immediately saying, it's dangerous, horrible, stupid, you know, whatever, without, without truly acknowledging that there may be opportunity here. And those who are basically saying it's the new coming of the, the most important transitional thing since sliced bread, both are missing, right? We have to be able to hold both the opinion that there is a ton of damage being done as the disruptive technology provides new opportunities for us that we just, none of us know what those things are yet. And that discussion is important, but it's it, it's right now the, the sort of, and what's happening is, is that mainstream media is glomming onto one side or the other, and that's what people like my wife get, right? They, they, they get that 30 second spot that says either it's awful for the environment and basically 
NFTs are going to create a new class of you know rich and poor people, or basically NFTs are the next coming of the web. And she's confused right now. She's just completely, she's like, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And quite frankly, she's like, I don't want to yeah. understand it yet. That's, and that's, you know, that's where I think we are. Well, and then also there's been a lot of what, what they call rug pulls in the news lately where somebody will have an NFT project and they will mint it and they will get, you know, whatever, hundreds of thousands of dollars or even millions in funding. And then they leave the project and they take it and it's gone. And there's, you know, basically, yeah. and you, you know, you're relying on Web3 is, is very much about trust. And you have to either trust the content creator or the creative team, or you have to do your research and make sure you figure out, okay, where's the smart contract? And you, so you have to know some things about what's going on. But, but just to give you a little bit of background for those people, listen, maybe not knowing my take, I mean, I got early, not early, I, it's still late, but 2017, and you know this, Robert, when I was talking up, uh, Bitcoin and then Ethereum in 2017, sort of right around, right before it got into that, you know, all time highs of 2017 type of thing. And I'm like, oh, I love this idea of decentralized money, permissionless money, peer to peer transactions. I love that concept. And now when I got into late 2020 and it started to get into learn about NFTs and learn about social tokens, I really thought that, okay, we saw this thing in web two happen you know you talked about web one web two where everyone was creating content on these platforms and almost all of that value was taken by the platforms by amazon by google by youtube uh by um by twitter now by tiktok and i mean they they basically they've generated all this amazing value on the back of of their users on the back of content there and when i saw this idea of the token now, whether if you call the token a social token, which is a fungible token, or you think of it as a non-fungible token, which is a unique token on a smart contract, it, I thought that there was something here. Could the token be the unit of measure that the internet was always looking for? And could, not that we're, we're going toward a completely decentralized environment. I don't think that'll ever happen, nor do we want that to happen. But are there parts that could be decentralized where a specifically, in this case, a content creator can take charge of their business model and have some control over it instead of being beholden to YouTube paying me or Spotify paying me or whatever the case is? Yes. And a really good example, you and I talked about this before one of the shows. There's a musician called RAC. RAC is a very popular musician and had, I think, over the last 12 months, three over 3 million streams played on Spotify. And RAC said that they made more money off of five benefactors investing in their NFTs than all of that web streaming revenue money combined. That is what a content creator can do with the token if you trust them and if you get to your whatever you believe. 100 true fans is what Lee Jin talks about or 1,000 true fans, what Kevin Kelly talks about, doesn't matter. The fact is, is we can make this community work with our audience with a smaller number of people and we can give some of this power back to content creators and where maybe it's more than just delivering valuable content experiences maybe it's more than just being part of this community maybe it's part ownership where the community can actually own something with the creator i think that's special 
We don't know where that's going. I mean, I've seen parts of this happen with our social token tilt coin, where that community is very loyal and very enthusiastic. Um, so I think there's something here. But again, to your point, Robert, we don't know where this is going. There's a long way to go. But there's something here, and I think it's worth experimenting with. It's well, and that's a really good point because, you know, so some of the, <clears throat> in one of the threads that I was participating in about the tension um, that exists between those who would decry it versus those who would celebrate it um, is that at the end of the day, and especially as it pertains to NFTs, is that what you're talking about is a glorified country club, right? You're talking about the idea of, membership yep. exclusive membership you know this is sort of the critique of things like board apes and stuff like that which is you know you've got an, an exclusive membership to a country club that is uh created you know and 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 ultimately uh lives or dies by that and 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 basically sets up you know walls if you will and and all those kinds of things i'm not going to purport myself to be an expert in this argument but the metaphor i think is appropriate because if you the the metaphor as fractional membership or even then the country club one is a good one because in many country clubs your membership is basically an ownership stake and so you've got fractional ownership in many cases fractional membership and fractional ownership depending again on the club and that's an, an interesting opportunity because what the opportunity is here and controversy, and again, we have to hold both of these things in our head at the same time, is that what the technology enables is fractional membership or fractional ownership in things that are created by people. And that that removes some of the limitations or friction on creating an infrastructure to support that. And what I mean by that is, is that what the blockchain does and what the technology behind the blockchain, because one of the arguments is, well, you don't really need cryptocurrency in order to have NFTs, right? You could literally just sell them for dollars. There's no, there's no reason that you have to sell, you know, the Gary V membership or the Bored Apes or, you know, membership in whatever club via a, you know, via a cryptocurrency. And that's true. That's absolutely true. You would that that opportunity existed well before cryptocurrency. But what the blockchain does give you the ability to do is sell that fractional membership and put in the sort of if then contractual smart contract statements that help build an infrastructure of transactions. Things like if I sell my membership in the club, then the club gets 5% you know, of that sale. Or if I sell my membership in the club, ownership and all the rights go with it. And I don't have to have a human interject in terms of you know, who it is or what it is. So there's some identity stuff that goes along here. There's some contractual sort of transactional things that can happen here with smart contracts, the blockchain, and the powering with um, any currency, you know, like whether it's a crypto version of the dollar or, or e Ethereum or whatever. And that to me has always been the interesting opportunity, just exactly to your point, which is if I have a content creator who's who basically is trying to fund or get fractional benefactors to help fund, you know, it used to be, yeah, I got to get a thousand people to buy my record and I might be able to have a, 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 a you know, a, you know, a, a career out of that. 
Well, now I can I can try and do that. And to your point, I can start to offer special layers of access without having to build the huge infrastructure yep. to do that, to say, I'm going to have you know, a super, a super fan price, basically, you know, if you want to be a super fan and buy my album as an NFT, by the way, and get some royalties off of that, you know, get some royalties off that music and you become part owner, a fractional owner of that. Well, now I can do that. That's to me, that's the interesting part of the opportunity here is to look at some of that, that it's the, you know, as has been, I think now almost becoming a cliche, sort of the, well, if web 1.0 was read and web 2.0 was read, write, and you know, web 3.0 is read, write, own, or read, write, you know, collaborate or read, write, create, yep. you know, whatever those things are. The, the, that's the interesting part to me is that infrastructure for blockchain to enable fractional membership or fractional ownership and monetize that because that's, you know, that that's that's interesting. There's an opportunity there. I don't know what that opportunity portends per se, and it certainly sets us up for a high amount of grift. You sure, know what I mean? sure. It's absolutely. You know, I I go back to my Web 1.0 and Web 2.0 days, and what it reminded me of. You know, I was responding to one of these threads, and I said, I don't know if anybody remembers Beans, B E E N Z. Do you remember uh, Beans? Not really, no. And the only reason I remember this is because I read this business plan. I mean, we talked a couple of episodes back about how I used to read business plans for startup company. I was one of the original readers of the Beans business plan, which, by the way, Beans, what it was, was a artificial currency. This was introduced in 2001, I believe. Um, it was an artificial currency called Beans, and you would sign up and you would get these beans in your uh, account Basically, if you went and clicked on a banner ad or if you went and watched uh, a website or if you signed up with a particular internet provider or basically you did some marketing thing, you would earn beans. And then you could convert those beans. And, you know, they were sort of like the, remember the old green stamps that you used to buy as a kid, you know, and you'd get your stamps in a book and you could go buy stuff. Well, you would earn enough beans that you could then go buy things with it. So basically paying you for your micro attention to an ad or signing up for an email or whatever. And you would earn these beans and, and it got a hundred million dollars in funding and exploded just about as fast as you think it might during the dot-com boom, because it was stupid. It was this dumb idea, right? It was just a dumb, dumb idea that, you know, nobody's going to spend their life watching ads to earn beans, to go buy something in a catalog. You know, it's just, so I, this is where we are right now. There's a high amount of grift and a high amount of opportunity, and we have to be able to hold those things in our heads at the same time. Well, the one, all great points. The one thing that I would remind people too is when you do purchase something or you get airdropped an NFT or a token or whatever, it's publicly verifiable. As if we would do this membership or a club 20 years ago, there's lots of funny business that can happen in the back end with contracts and agreements. If you have a smart contract, and you have the token and you own that, it says that everyone in the world can see that. Oh, I have this. This is my token. I own this token. It says you could check it with Etherscan. Great. You own that. I like that part where, where you actually can yeah. verify and, this and you, don't have, you but, don't have to have a big lawyer organization behind you. But it all depends on the platform you're on, right? Because there are plenty of those platforms, and this has been noted in the news, just to your point, you know, sort of the, you know, the rug pulls which are platforms that have been set up that look like 
open platforms, look like proof of transactions, look like all of those things, but are ostensibly just web hosting companies that are now hosting your NFTs. And if they go out of business, you're SOL. You have to. Because it's on their little blockchain and their little side chain. And if their side chain goes belly up or goes sideways, you know, it doesn't matter that you're, you've got a, you know, a ledger book is only as valuable as the, the person backing the ledger book, right? You know, so, you know, when you've got uh, a, a single company with a very small ledger book, it, it kind of doesn't matter that your name is in it. It, 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 it still could be worthless. You know, I mean, right now, for example, right now, if OpenSea went out of business, like something happened to OpenSea, there would be a lot of problems. There would be a lot of problems. For and some people that set up, that's the, but, the kind but only of, for the people that set their, like minted through OpenSea, as far as I know. Right. But if you didn't, but, this but is if the you point, didn't, right? and you, you, you do it on the Ethereum, the Polygon network, uh, Solana network, whatever, you do it the right way when you're minting a project, you don't have that issue. Because OpenSea is a third-party centralized reader. Yeah. It will display right. your NFTs, but they don't own. I mean, you own the tokens for that. It just displays That's right. It Unless you mint it through OpenSea, right? If you if you mint it through them and only put it on the. At the that's the what I've heard. I don't know computer. for sure, but that's what I've heard. If you mint it through OpenSea, that's a different process than if you mint it through it somewhere else. Okay, it so you is, you've yeah. got that one. There's a great article uh, on this that of a guy who one of the decriers basically of NFTs basically put up an OpenSea NFT and uh, ostensibly couldn't see it in his wallet because he wasn't, you know, he, he, if he wasn't a member of OpenSea, he couldn't see it. It wasn't there. It just didn't exist. So you have to, you know, you, it becomes a cent- it basically becomes a, a, a hosted asset, a web hosted asset at that point. So you've got to, you know, you've, it, 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 doing it the right way is, is, a, is a Yeah, absolutely. Thing. And, and the, the one thing that I thought was, because you mentioned about the, you know, so the, the country club membership atmosphere. And the one thing I liked about the yeah. uh, Andreessen Horowitz article that we'll link to on future is they talked about, you know, they were t- basically talking about the funnel to acquire a customer and they talked about the cold start problem. It's like, it's very hard to get a, you know, to get a product, to get an organization off the ground because you have to do a lot of marketing to get it out there to people. And they said, in some cases, a social token or an NFT project can solve that because people are more willing to invest on in the front end on something because they see ultimately there might be some financial reward. So yes, does it create a club? Maybe, yeah. But it but if you get in at the right times, like for example, for those early people that that purchased or got tilt coin for you know a very small pricing, we launched at whatever it was, 30 cents a coin. They, they're VIP holders and their coins are worth a lot more money than, than they would because they got in very early and they said, I'm going to support Joe. I'm going to support the tilt. We're going to get in there. And now the coins, whatever, $36 a coin. So they're very happy being part of the community and they get a little bit of that ownership upside. So that's what I like yeah. to see. So if you, you can, you don't have to necessarily spend money and buy a, you know, board ape yacht club. Uh, JPEG, if you will, NFT for $300,000. A lot of those people were in very early. There was a strong community there when they were worth nothing. And that community. Yeah, well, it's also gangbusters. That's also, you know, I think a big piece of this, which is the social signaling part of this, right? I mean, you know, 
you know, as I also said in the thread that I was participating in, you know, back in my day when I was in, you know, high school, you know, social signaling was basically having a Trans Am and having a Blaupunk stereo, right? I mean, that was, you know, when you pulled up with your Blaupunk stereo, you were like, hey, I'm cool. I can afford this. That's a social signal that I'm, you know, well to do. Um, I did not have a Blaupunk stereo, by the way. I had a silly little, like, you know, Delco, if you remember Delco brand stereo. That was my stereo in my car. But that was sort of the social signal then. In the Web 1.0 world, it was having, you know, the Well account, right? If you had a Stuart brand, you know, Well account, which was sort of early, early, early internet, you know, messaging board stuff, and your email address was the Well, ooh, you had status. I mean, you were like, you know, you were considered like, you know, a web guru, you know, internet guru, you know, person. If you had that, it was a huge status. When you had your own domain, I remember I had, you know, I registered my first domain when I, in 1996, I think, or 1997, um, and uh, that was my email address. And I've had that email address uh, for now, coming up on, you know, whatever it is, 18 years uh, or 19 years or whatever it is. No, more than 20 now at this point. Um, And uh, that was in the day, you know, you, you don't have an AOL address, you don't have a CompuServe or a Hotmail address, you know, no, you've got a, you know, uh, your own domain. Oh, that's that's fancy. You know, that's a social signal. And today it's, you know, your bored ape is your avatar, right? On your, in your ooh, you've got a bored ape, you must be rich. You know, that's, so it's a social signal as well as being part of a community. And, and you know, it's the equivalent of digitally driving a, you know, an expensive yep. car. And that's a, you know, call it, you know, elitism, call it whatever it is. It is, it's all those things, but it's nothing different than we've done forever. It's just, you know, social signaling that you've got money and, and that's kind of what it is. And it, there, that will always exist. I think that, and that's where we're at right now in a lot of cases with, oh, I, I, you know, this, I own a CryptoPunk or a Board Ape Yacht Club or whatever. There's not a lot of utility with some of these projects. That's, I think, where we're headed because I don't think people realize that, first of all, NFTs are going to be everywhere in the next five years, and you're not going to call them NFTs. All your tickets are going to be NFTs. Some of your insurance contracts are going to be NFTs. These things are going, they're just, they're agreements that, to your point about if then, they're executed automatically on the blockchain, and you can check up. I mean, these are these are what NFTs are. You're going to see this happen, but in a lot of cases, as we spend more time in whatever the digital universe is, and we've got a lot of metaverses going on right now. Roblox is an amazing metaverse. Minecraft's an amazing metaverse. But you're going to be able to buy digital objects and then take those digital objects with you That as, as you own them, just like you might own your soda or you own your pen or you own your phone. You're going to have things in the digital world that you own, and companies can be a part of that. And we'll be a part of that. And uh, I, right. I mean, like, for example, we covered, what's that, RTFKT? I forgot what that was. Nike bought them. Yeah. You know, they, yep. they have their yep. own line of digital shoes. So just like people buy you know, Air Jordans in real life, and that makes a statement to your point about social signaling, same thing. You've got the same thing going on online. Exactly. And so, but we're going to see a lot yeah. more of that happen from a utility standpoint and where, I mean, I talked to a gamer the other day that didn't like NFTs and I said, well, I understand that, but what if instead of having your skin, whatever skin you have for your video game, that you could not just have it within the game, that you could own that skin, that skin could actually be worth something and you could take that skin from game to game to game because you own it instead of the video game getting all the rights for that. 
and all the ownership. Yeah. So these are these are things that are just happening right now. We don't know where they're going, but it's interesting that we're on the cutting edge. And I don't think people people will get so hung up in NFTs, which is just a horrible name. It's terrible to market. It is. Same with fungible tokens. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because in the future, we're not even going to call them that. We're just going to say it is what it is. Yo, I've got a ticket to the to the uh, the Cleveland Browns Dallas Cowboys game. Well, that ticket is an NFT. I can take that NFT. I own that right. NFT. I will always own that NFT for that particular game as a memento. It might go up in price if something amazing happens. And if I want to sell that to you, I can sell that on the blockchain. You transfer the tokens. We can do that peer to peer, or we could do that within a, a centralized environment like an OpenSea. And boom. You that ownership of that token moves from me to you. That's happen. That's, that's right. going to happen that's in, right. inside twenty four months for that type of scenario. I think I, I think that's right, and the, the, it's that it's that functionality. I think that is the 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 interesting part, um, which is what we think of as NFTs now simply become talismans to the social signal, right? In other words, it, it, it is it is what we use, right? So right now you. You know, if you think about if you buy a ticket to a football game and you get this, you, you ostensibly get a digital image. Right? You get a digital image that has a barcode on it. Um, and that digital image with the barcode serves as your entry, the functional entry to the game. And may, by the way, also get you, if you buy a special ticket, could get you backstage passes, it could get you, you know, gear, it could get you, you know, all sorts of things based on the ticket that you buy, but the image that you get in your email box or the thing that you print out or the physical item that is printed for you and sent to you on a you know piece of cardboard is just a talisman to represent that's, the functionality that that thing is. You need to stop there for a that's second, all, by the way, because that's so important because people don't realize that. People don't realize that if you have yeah. a Board Ape Yacht Club that you you don't own the JPEG. The JPEG is just a representation right. of the of the underlying token and what the token stands for. Correct. So again, you that's right. You know, I could take somebody's board ape that's worth a million dollars. I could take Justin Bieber's board ape, and I could plaster it everywhere, and I can share it and whatever doesn't matter. But you know, and and that that's might right. actually help for marketing because I'm marketing for Justin. But at the end of the day, there's only one person that owns the underlying token and what the access that token gets him. And that's Justin Bieber. So I think a lot of people don't realize that's right that. because you're not paying for a JPEG <laughs> at all. You're paying for the token. <laughs> Took 38 minutes to get Justin Bieber into the conversation. Justin Bieber has entered the chat, everybody. So uh, thank did you, you very see much that, for that he has his own line <laughs> of of donuts at Tim Hortons, and they were called Tim Biebs, Tim yes. Bips, or something like that? And the yeah, sales were up 10 yeah, percent yeah. for Tim Hortons that month. I, you know, so, Justin you Bieber go. is powerful. Dude, that's the personal brand, oh, my friend. That's what that's what that's yeah. all about. But yeah, I think that's 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 exactly right. Um, and you know, it is that talisman that we have to 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 recognize of the social signal. So once that functionality is gone, has been depleted. In other words, the game has happened, or you've purchased the thing, or you've been provided the the utility that it provides. Now that thing may become a collectible. But it probably is the value represented there is based on its value as a socially signal memento, right? In other words, the the talisman itself is the poster that you hang on the wall, the ticket that you, you know, you place on your bulletin board, 
and you know the that whole thing. But now what happens is is that in a digital world, and this gets to our metaverse world, if you will, we can now display a lot of those things. You know, I, I mean, I, I when I was a kid, um, I used to have the entire season of the cowboy tickets put up on my bulletin board, mm-hmm. right? You know, and and you know, I would take the ticket stubs and I would put them up on my bulletin board just to you know, because I was cool, right? And I would show it to my friend. My friends would come over. They would see that and they would go, oh, you've been to every Cowboy game. And it's like, yep, that's right. I'm awesome, right? So that's a social signal. And now you can just do that with the digital version of that. All you're doing is basically putting it up on your public yep. bulletin board. You know, now it's and your you avatar. the galleries your, that are out there doing your, that. You can go to galleries right, and see your page on OpenSea. Yeah. Exactly. So that's what that becomes. And so... The, uh, the, the real value here, the opportunity, I think, when we, when we think about it, is what is the functionality that this, can, that this will ultimately enable that has nothing to do with the talisman, that has nothing to do with the representation of that thing. Because when we start talking about smart contracts that would now be driven by NFTs or smart contracts, we start thinking about things like real estate transactions. We start talking about ticket sales. We start talking about the rollout of new artistic projects. We start talking about how uh, commercial contracts work between B2B companies. All these kinds of things start to become very interesting, um, ex- you know, ex- explorations that we just, you know, that go well beyond a high-priced JPEG. Yeah, that was phase one. We went through phase yeah. one. Of early adoption. Well, we're still well, in phase. But, still but in the point phase. is, I think we're, the, yeah. what popularized that was the you know the sixty nine million dollar Beeple NFT and and the CryptoPunks and the Board Ape and that most of it, even though Board Ape Yacht Club, there's a, a lot of utility there. You can go to events and those things like that. Most of it was about oh, it's a JPEG. But yeah. everything else coming is about what can it do? What's the utility? The events the real hardcore agreements that you'll see. I mean, I can see, I mean, we're starting to see actual real estate transactions, like real, not digital real estate, real real estate done with an NFT, where you might have an NFT that represents the ownership of your home and you can transfer that and I could sell that to you and there's a transfer of ETH and done. And we've just, you know, there's all kinds of, I mean, there's issues there because there's laws built in for things, but you, we could really do that right now if we wanted to. We're, everything else That's has right. to catch up. But, well, wow. And being a media-minded person, I, my, my, my fascination is with the fractional membership or fractional ownership of media properties, right? So I am waiting for, uh, and I'm sure it's coming. I'm absolutely positive, 100% that it's coming. So, But I'll use Crypto Dads as the example here, even though I have no idea if this is coming, but just to put it into a, a, a tangible example. So if Crypto Dads launches a, you know, a, uh, a TV show, right? Let's say a, a, a streaming series on Netflix or Amazon Prime or something like that and becomes hugely popular and features many of the characters that are now owned by various people. And let's pretend, and I know this isn't necessarily true, but let's pretend for a moment that ownership, that fractional ownership that you purchased when you purchased one of the characters of the Crypto Dads gave you royalty rights. Of every time that that character appears in, a t- in, in an episode, you get X percent of the revenues from that particular yeah. episode. And it becomes as popular as The Simpsons, right? Uh, over the sip. 
that's not only so heretofore that would have been impossible to monetize in that way that sh- that episode that would have just been the accounting nightmare that that would be for people but in a in a world of of nfts and blockchain and the way that smart contracts could be done that would be automated it would be an automated process basically if the character appears beam automatically beam out you know drop in whatever the right you know measurement of of cryptocurrency or us dollars or whatever it is into my account because i have fractional ownership in this character and i'm due this amount and if i sell that character i don't have to go tell anybody it just starts to appear in my yep. account now and those kinds of opportunities for fractional membership or ownership into projects like that whether they be companies media products creative endeavors you know whatever they may be that to me is the you know that's the exciting part that's the exciting part to me because i think that's you know that's you know i mean we've talked before about the enablement of you know economies uh, in other countries we've talked about you know the 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 true sort of de- value of definance and 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 how that's affecting the the need for underserved communities to get accounts for being able to pay bills uh, there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of really interesting opportunities that uh, you know let's hold judgment for a moment and just wait and see well i'll tell you what i can tell you firsthand that we sold 26 of our CEX never-ending tickets, and that 26 uh, tickets that we sold uh, averaged about, let's say, fifty to 60,000 US dollars, like real in yeah. Ethereum, but it's real. And as a first-year event, having that uh, upfront is really important. I mean, that's, it really helped. And that's that was the reason why yeah. we're like this is a first year event. We need some support. We some super fans. Would you go buy in? We had twenty six of those people buy in. We'd like to sell more, but great, it worked out fantastic. So these are things that are happening and, right now that you can do. That and again, yeah, there's an image attached to each one of those one hundred uh, NFTs that we have, but it's the underlying benefits that we have set up that's in the the uh, smart contract where everybody wins. So right. Now, now two 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 yeah. points there, right? To, just to, for that particular example, the first thing is is that one, you didn't need to do uh, NFTs in order to f- create that no. functionality. In other words, you could have simply sold, you know, your Willy Wonka tickets for U.S. dollars, yes. a higher U.S. dollar, and and basically made the promise in a contract to them that you were going to have this kind of access going forward and all you needed to do was tell you and you would have stored them in your little CRM system and all would have been the same. The interesting thing though is that what it has enabled now is one, this enabled you to do it much more efficiently than than that. Two, it enables the consumer to basically hold that asset and sell That's that it. asset. Yeah. And I don't know how you have it set up, but but basically I could sell that never-ending ticket now to someone else to give it to them and you may have gotten a percentage of that as well without having having to think about it or without having to give permission to the person to go do that. In other words, here's my season ticket. Now the team, in this case you, gets a percentage of that sale. And three, it provides uh, a, a, a more efficient nature for them to do that as well, for the consumer to do that. So it's a better customer experience, ultimately, and it's an easier way for you to offer that without the infrastructure cost. So 
it is arguably a new and innovative way to do this. However, it comes with the same risks as anything else, right? If I buy a Willy Wonka ticket from you for CEX and all of a sudden next year you go, eh, it wasn't worth doing, so CEX, eh, we're never gonna we're never gonna do the event again. Well, they're out of luck, right? They're, you know, now you may decide to make them whole with some other way, but it comes the risks and the benefits are the same. It's just yeah. what's promised in the there's, value. That's the You're exactly right. Here. Thanks for pointing that out. There's a there's a couple things there. The one thing that I want to stress is the reason why we did it is that people could resell that if they wanted to. There is actual real value. If I would sell a $2,000 ticket to somebody, the only way that they could do business again is with me because I issued that ticket. Right. Just like if the Dallas Cowboys issued the ticket, you want to do something different, you got to talk to the Dallas Cowboys. In this case, they don't have to. They could, they could go on OpenSea and sell it to anyone they want to. So, But to your point about you have to trust the creator. There's a lot of trust that goes. So let's say that I go ahead and back out of this whole thing entirely. Those 26 tokens don't go away. They're still there. Theoretically, and this is, I've been reading a lot about this, and, you, and there's people doing this in Board Yacht Club. You don't have to necessarily own an NFT, or you could own an NFT, and you could create a new ecosystem around those tokens. Somebody else, like you could come in and say, I know Joe left this thing, but we're going we're gonna to make those tokens good in this whole new thing that we're doing. Because there was enough momentum around that. You don't even have to be the originator of the token exactly. to generate that's some exactly right. activity and community and revenue around that. That's fascinating to me that, that that's actually yeah. possible to do. So that's why I like it as yep. well. It's It would basically be by buying shares of a company, right? And, and you know, so they, you, you could definitely have somebody come in and say, hey, listen, we see that there's 26 of you, um, you know, of these tickets we're actually going to recognize those as being valid for our event too. And, you know, yes, you and could. Yeah. theoretically, you could even have that if you decide to go on, right? In other words, I don't think this is going to happen, by the way, so no promises here, but just for the example, you could have Content Marketing World say something like, hey, we see that you, saw the, you, you sold those 26 tickets. We're actually going to honor those. A- anybody who bought a never-ending ticket from Joe, we're at, and then you on the backside make a percentage available to the new event, in this case, Content yep. Marketing World. There's, there's, and the infrastructure for that is so, is, can be automated. In other words, what used to take, the, the benefit here is that nothing that we're talking about can't be done with, you know, faxed contracts and emailed contracts and overhead and phone calls and meetings and all those kinds of things and CRM systems. And you could do all of that today. But what's interesting here is the promise. I don't know that it's all there yet, but the, the promise of the automation of it, that's the, that's that in the infrastructure and efficiency of it and the trackability of it and the measurability of it is, is, is what's really interesting with all of that. So yeah. Well, okay. In the time yes. we have left, which is not much, um, I, let me get your predictions for the next year. The predictions for Metaverse, the which we didn't talk about a lot about actually on the episode, which was we talked a lot about marketing and and uh, and and NFTs and and yeah, yeah. blockchain. But but your predictions for marketing media and the Metaverse NFTs for the next year. I want short yeah, term predictions. predictions. Like, I, like yeah, I, your, I think that yeah. ticketing is going to blow up with NFTs. You're going to see, and you've already seen it, but you're going to, and because a lot of the NFTs that are done by professional sports are sort of the keepsakes. Oh, you went to the Super Bowl, you get an NFT. 
But I really think that in the next 24 months, you're going to have one major sports organization move everything to NFTs. So I think that's actually going to happen. I think another prediction that I, I think is going to happen is in gaming. Gaming is ripe for this. There's a lot of um, unease on on the part of consumers there because gaming companies have, have not always been great to consumers. But I think you're going to see one of these digital games, a Valorant, a World of Warcraft, something like that, that are going to be that you're going to be able to buy a skin or buy something and then move that outside the game. Move that token outside that it will render in other games. I think you're going to see some kind of a tokenized standard that's going to be created so you can be able to see these things, which you can absolutely do right now, see them inside a certain game. So I can move my skin from one game to another game to another game and really have value so that this marketplace isn't just within the world of Valorant. It becomes within the world of all video games. That, I think, is within two, two three years of happening as well. I'm very excited about seeing that happen because all this time that these people spend on games, they they only have what they spent inside the game. There's not a lot of value usually. I mean, you can sell some of these things on the third uh, on on a, on a secondary market, but there's some big things coming there. What do you what do you think? What are some things coming? Yeah, I, well, I'll, I'll comment on your two, which, which I think are you know I, I think the the ticketing thing. I'm I'm a little more bearish on that in the short term only because I don't think you're going to have somebody go all in on this until there is a more frictionless way of getting the actual ticket. Um, You know, just not enough people have wallets yet. That process, let's just be honest, is Byzantine at best. Um, You know, even for those who are semi-technically literate it's not although easy. by the way they do yeah. they do like to to go to a cleveland cavaliers game i had to download SeatGeek to render my digital ticket now again SeatGeek is a third-party operator but they are the they right. are the operator for the Cavs. so you already do have a digital ticket holder it's just right we don't Which think of it that I, way uh, that's right that's right and, and so you know whether you start to see wallets so wallets incorporated into apps like yeah. a SeatGeek or like, you know, whatever app you use for the ticketing system, which again, isn't really what yeah, we're talking about here. Um, you know, but, but it's, that's, you know, so that's where it brings me to my prediction, which I think 2022 is the year of uh, nonsense and, and, and pushback. I think this whole year is going to be about launching things that aren't really but are called what you know we talked about this a couple of episodes ago about the and two the brands that had launched their metaverse that wasn't really video games and called the yeah. metaverse right that's right they're launching little first party you know or first person shooter types of video games and calling them a, a metaverse and they're not so you're going to have a lot of marketing and a lot of brands latch onto the terms and launch things that are just going to confuse and then you're going to have a lot of people Point, continue to point to the challenges uh, of inequality, of environmental damage, and of those things. So it's going to be a, a, a very contentious year, is my prediction, for this space. Um, and I think, uh, really, the future of this will happen very quietly in the background. Um, and and that's I think, will be the very interesting things. And so it'll be 2023 when we start to see 
you know, in other words, to borrow Gartner's thing, the hype cycle on this is going to be very high this year. And maybe next year we start seeing some real utility and value here that starts to surface to the top of the mainstream and become, you know, and become normal. So I think it's still very much this year is going to be about the inside baseball people and, and the outside baseball people just yelling across the stadium yeah. at one another. Because it's very strong right now. The yelling is, I can hear it yeah. when I go onto Twitter. You can feel it. Yep. And which yep. is very natural. Yep. I'm just to my, to your, my point before, yeah, I'm surprised course. at some of the people that are doing that because we've been through this before, but yeah. So the, so I, I guess my la- final thing, uh, Robert would be to, to just advise people, just go experiment, go get yourself a MetaMask wallet, fund it with a little bit of an ETH if you can. Uh, don't get scared. Do something that's not going to break the bank. Uh, buy an NFT that's twenty five bucks or something like that. Check out a community. See how it works. Get onto Discord. It's our job as content creators and marketers to to figure these things out because we are right at the center of this thing happening. So the more you can understand yep. and go ahead and and break things, it's okay. Um, so that's what I yeah. that's my recommendation would be. It's hard to have a discussion about it if you don't have a a digital wallet that you could actually do this stuff with. Yep. Yeah. And and I would I would concur 100% with that. Uh, I go back to what we talked about whatever it was 5 or 6 episodes ago when we talked about discussions not debate, yep. right? Let's have let's have discussions about this. None of us know enough to debate this. Um, and so let's let's discuss it. Let's let's have a real discussion. We may disagree on things. We may disagree about the future or the opportunity of things. But let's discuss this. Um, and if it's your job to learn, which it you know, for example, it's my job to learn about this stuff. This is I. That's part of my job is to to know more about this stuff. I'm going to continue to experiment. For those of you who may not care or have a horse in that race, or you know, um, as someone who I very much respect and you know, thinks this is not a good thing that's going on right now said, you know, if I do nothing, I lose nothing. I, I agree with that. You, 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 you don't lose anything, but if you don't listen, you may not, you know, you may not get to see the opportunity as well. So, you know, the, the it is an opportunity that is presenting itself, not necessarily something that someone's going to push you into. That's right. So my job is to, my job is to look at change. That's, that's what I do for a living is look at change in the, in the marketing and media space. And so, I will be spending a lot of time discussing this and thinking about it, and um, and enjoying the ride. Quite frankly, enjoying the ride. It's 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 fascinating, frustrating, overwhelming, um, interesting, uh, all all of that. And you know, I can simultaneously hold the thought that I I think people are ripping people off, and it's awful. And I can simultaneously hold the thought that there are some amazing, innovative thinking going on. It's in a space. great, and I think, great exactly time to right. be a content creator. We're, we're seeing That's new right. business models created in front of our eyes. We don't exactly know what those are going to be yet, but we're pretty darn close to something amazing. So, yeah, I'm along for the ride as well. All right. Well, here's virtually saying to you, have a – I hope you're having uh, right a now, time. I, Yeah, right now as people <laughs> are listening to this, I'm having a fantastic time. I know for sure. And when And when we get back onto our live episode the next week, uh, I will detail – everything that's happened by the way just so everyone knows by the way there's a and i i hate to do this but i'm gonna do it because it's important there's a whole track at creator academy expo on web3 we're going through it step by step introduction to DAOs, social tokens and nfts so 
If you would like to get that from the leading <laughs> experts in the world, you could show up in Arizona, May second to fourth. And I'm I'm sorry, I had to do it. Did there? Look at see how you were had see how see it was see so how you perfect. Did that? It's almost it was, like I, hey hey I so didn't perfect. mention that in March we're going to do, do a whole tr- training on the tilt on Web three. I didn't mention that. So I only. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you didn't. You didn't mention that. You didn't yeah. mention that. Um, well, I will be working at this time next week, um, and so I, w- you know, so as people are listening to this, uh, I will be, I'm sure, heads down in some PowerPoint or some deliverable of some kind. So uh, until then, uh, and until the following week when we will be back with our normally regularly scheduled programming, um, I would love for you all. Uh, if you, uh, you know, let us know if you enjoyed this, if, if, if this, you know, we've been thinking about doing these kind of special episodes uh, every now and again, um, not just when yeah. Joe or me are on vacation, but, you know, just, you know, mixing it up a little bit. And if you enjoy this kind of thing, let us know some topics, uh, uh, you know, um, that you would love us to sort of cover in, in a little more depth uh, instead of talking about the news. If you didn't enjoy this, just remember it was all Joe's <laughs> idea, not mine. Um, and... You know, hashtag us up, won't you? Uh, at the at the Twitter hashtag us with a, this old marketing hashtag. Until we see you next week and with a regularly scheduled program on the news, uh, just remember it is your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on this old marketing. Hashtag.